the family has requested that the processional be a congregational hymn. So if you will take your bulletin and find the insert for Great is Thy Faithfulness, we will stand together now for the processional.
seated. On behalf of the family of Ms. Hannah Patrick Phillips, thank you for being here this afternoon, gathered in love and support of this family, as we have gathered to comfort them and to remember the precious life and faith of Ms. Hannah. What a wonderful testimony to her and to her family to see so many of you here for this service. Ms. Hannah was born and raised in the White Oak community at the White Oak ARP Church. She loved her church and her community. When she married the love of her life, Mr. Phil, she became a member of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro. She loved that church and community. And then in the summer of 2015, Ms. Hannah came back to her roots of the ARPs and joined the church here at Bethel. As you can guess, she loved her church and loved this community. And we loved her in return. As ARPs and in our Christian and Reformed tradition, we understand that a funeral service is a worship service for the glory of God. It's a worship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because it is the triune God who created all things. The triumph God who gives life, and the one who gives life purpose. And it is this God who will lovingly and graciously call his people home to him at just the right time. So it is to him that we give all glory and honor in our worship this day and on this occasion and all the days and occasions of our life. But we also worship because in the midst of grief, or we also worship in the midst of grief, because of that joy and hope that Miss Hannah, along with all other Christians, find in their Lord and Savior. We worship because we know that is what Miss Hannah is doing right now. Because her life is an eternal life because of the faith entrusted to her by Jesus Christ. So this funeral service isn't the last chapter for her. This isn't the end of her story or even the end of her life. Because her faith is in the Lord, the one who loved her and saved her from her sins, the one who gives all of his people eternal life through faith in who he is and what he has done as his people. So we worship because as followers of Jesus Christ, that is what we want to do even in our times of grief. So let me encourage each and every one of you to have that mind and spirit of worship this afternoon because that is the very same mind and spirit that Miss Hannah has even right now. At this time, I'd like to invite the Reverend Rob Patrick to lead us in our prayer of invocation. Let's pray. Lord our God, we are indeed come to worship you and to give you glory. And we come in a time of bittersweetness. The bitterness is found in the sorrow that we feel because Hannah was so dearly loved, not just by her family, but by her friends and in this community and county and even far beyond. But there is sweetness as we come to you because we come to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave and to claim afresh the promises of that resurrection, which are offered to all who have been born again to faith in his name. And so we come celebrating your faithfulness to Hannah throughout her life. You blessed her so richly. And there is much then in her life for us to celebrate together again as family and friends. 
You have been faithful to her. But Lord, we come preeminently to celebrate your faithfulness to Christ. For you have raised him from the grave so that we who believe on his name may be raised up with him to eternal life. And so now, with the faith your spirit has worked in our hearts, we ask that you would strengthen us. That we might worship and find joy and hope even in our sorrow. That we indeed, by the power of your spirit, might be raised up before your throne of grace to give you our one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the praise, honor, and glory that are your due. And as we celebrate that resurrection of Christ and remember the precious life of Hannah Phillips, we pray there would be a grace and a peace, a comfort and a hope, even joy, that would be visited upon us here and upon this family and these friends through days ahead. So would you grant us the blessing of your presence now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This past... This past Thursday morning, I met with Grady, Jane, Helen, and Hannah. I get the birth order right that time. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want to make that mistake again. I met with Grady, Jane, Helen, and Hannah. So we can plan this service. And one of my favorites, and I believe the most touching parts, is when Mr. Grady handed me this Bible. This is Miss Hannah's Bible. If you don't recognize this cover, this is a Gideon's Bible. And for those of you who don't know, Grady is a faithful Gideon, and in my humble opinion, one of the finest Gideons and gentlemen that I know. And this Bible testifies to me two things. And Miss Hannah loved her Lord and Savior, and loved his word, and she loved her son, and was proud of the ministry that he is involved with. But I also had a chance to spend some time with Miss Hannah this past Monday morning as good ARPs reread the Psalms. And when I asked her which one she would like to hear first, she immediately requested Psalm 23. So we began this Old Testament reading with that song that has provided such comfort and peace to God's people since David wrote it down so many years ago. Looking around this afternoon, I would imagine that many of you know this song. So if you do, if you do, I encourage you to say it along with me. And I will be saying it in the King James Version because Psalm 23 just sounds foreign in any other tongue, doesn't it? If you know it, let me encourage you to say it along with me now. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me, in the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Then Ms. Hannah asked me to read Psalm 121 with her. And when you look at the back of this Bible, her Bible, she has a list entitled My Favorite Psalms. Psalm 121 is there in her script, and there's an asterisk next to Psalm 121 with the word Von Clarken. So those of you who don't know, Von Clarken is our denomination's retreat center in Flat Rock, North Carolina. Miss Hannah loved Von Clarken. But to get to it, you have to go up the mountain to get to Von Clarken. And Miss Hannah, somewhere along the way, was taught that Psalm 121 was the pilgrimage song that as the, God people, the God's people, the Israelites, would make their way up the mount of Jerusalem to go and worship, they would sing Psalm 121. So this song is Miss Hannah's Von Clarken pilgrimage song. I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. As we were meeting, there was a morning we talked about some other favorite passages, and this next one came to mind, and also what came to mind was how when they were growing up at school, they learned a song, and they would sing it to their mom, and their mom loved to hear them sing it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For everything there is a season, and a time for every nation, or for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. In our last reading, it's a good summary of the goal of Miss Hannah's life, the goal that her children and grandchildren said that she, through the grace of Jesus Christ, achieved an excellent wife who can find she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She dresses herself, she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the staff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. 
and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to waste her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Amen. You would find a black psalter and turn to number 381. Our hymn of comfort is Psalm 148. It's number 381 in your black psalter. And we will stand together.
Testament, we now turn to the New, to the New Testament and find comfort to passages that the family chose. We turn first to that great promise that God gives every believer when it comes to death. We find this again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for a trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For his perishable body must put on the imperishable, and his mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass that, that saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we turn to the book of Revelation, the Apostle John's vision of the new heaven and the new earth. And as Hannah is enjoying heaven now, but when Jesus comes again, he will usher in the new heaven and the new earth. And what John is describing here is what we will, as believers, enjoy along with Miss Hannah. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Amen.
I'd like to thank you, family and friends, for being here to, first of all, worship our God, and secondly, to honor my mother. And uh, what a privilege it is to have you here today. Job 121 says, The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mama would say, if she could say one thing to us right now, I do believe it would be, don't miss heaven. Don't miss heaven. We had some very good days with my mother her last days, and they were very special, and some things that we'll tell you more details about perhaps at a more appropriate time, but just in case you were wondering, she was still correcting my personal pronouns two days before her death. <laughs> Mama was uh, proud of her Scott-Irish roots, and uh, she was really pleased that she had that lineage flowing through her veins. And so one of my sisters gave her a DNA test kit a couple of Christmases ago, and she did the DNA test, and I never heard anything about it. <laughs> so I said, Mama, what happened to your DNA test? We never heard about it. She said, I got it back. <laughs> I said, well, what did it say? Well, I had a little more English than I thought in me. <laughs> I said, well, what's the breakdown? I had to really pull it out of her. And uh, she said, well, it said I was about 46% English and about 42% Scott-Irish. And I said, well, we're close here with the British Isles, Mom. I think you're all right. And so it just reminded me of thinking about her bloodline that at this point when it comes to you or me at the point that my mother is now, it doesn't matter if you have English blood, Scott-Irish blood, Asian, African, Hispanic, Native American blood flowing through your veins. The question is, are you covered in the blood of Jesus? That's what matters. Jesus said this in John 14, verses 1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. God's word says something different from the world. The world says there are numerous paths to heaven. The world says you can go down the path of Islam. The world says you can go down the path of Buddhism. The world says you can go down the path of good works. The world says you can go down the path of worshiping nature. But God's word says about Jesus, neither is there salvation under any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved only through Jesus yes it's very straight in fact the word of God is offensive to many people 
It says that about itself. It's a straight and narrow way. It's one way to heaven, and his name is Jesus. Friends and family, the day is over when we should be having one foot in the world and one foot in the church. We need to be all in for Jesus, and we need to be living that way, not just on Sundays. We don't need so many Sunday saints and Monday ain'ts. We need to be pressing on for the Lord seven days a week. George Whitfield was a great British Anglican preacher who came to the colonies seven times between 1738 and 1770. And he preached so extensively during those years that 80% of the American colony's population heard Whitfield preach with no PA system but a strong voice. And he was America's number one celebrity before George Washington came on the scene. And he's really known today as America's spiritual founding father. And his key verse was this, as he preached and preached and preached and preached, you must be born again. John 3, verse 7. A woman once asked Mr. Whitfield, Mr. Whitfield, why do you always preach you must be born again? And Whitfield's response was this, because, madam, you must. How can you see our mother again? More importantly, how can you and I and we get to heaven? Can you be 100% sure of heaven? Yes, you can. If you've been born again, you're 100% sure of heaven. If you're not sure whether you've been born again, I would encourage you to Get into the scriptures and read about how you can be born again. And know there's a 100% assurance that you'll be in heaven one day. You don't have to go through this life wondering if you've lost it or if you've gained it. Once Jesus has saved you, you are saved and secure and you will know it. So if you're wondering, am I really born again? I encourage you to really ponder on that. The Bible says this, and this is how you can be born again. If you listen to these verses here, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's not complicated, but it's profound. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me just for a moment. If you'll close your eyes and bow your heads and think about right now, as I think about what my mother would want you to be thinking about, is I'm on my way to heaven. Remember, you can't be good enough. Your credentials won't get you into heaven. The only credentials that will get you there are the credentials of Jesus. And God made him, Jesus, to become sin for you, that you might become the righteousness of God in him. And just today, I'm thinking that today is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the appointed time. And you may want to pray something like this. Lord, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. Only you can give me the new birth. Only you, Jesus, can you give me. Yes, you can, Jesus. Give me eternal life. I confess that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that you, God, raised Jesus from the dead. Please save my soul right now. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
I don't know how the Lord dealt with you during those moments. I trust that there were some of you here today that prayed that prayer and that God moved you and he gave you the new birth just now. Would love to hear about it. Others have been just convicted of certain sins and others have been confirmed in their faith that you've been encouraged because you know you're on the way to heaven and God wants you to have a an impact for him during the days he's got left for you. And just close with this. Isaiah, out of the book of Isaiah. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, the, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. privilege of being Miss Hannah's pastor for six and a half years. And those aren't empty words. It really was and is a privilege to be her pastor and to be her friend. But a lesson I have learned over the some 20 odd years I have been in ministry, and I trust this is something other pastors have learned. I trust that Chris and Paul and Rob would agree that when you come to some people's funerals and you prepare for their message, those messages tend to write themselves. What I mean by that is that Jesus is so evident in their lives that it's not hard for the pastor to sit down and to take that evidence and point to Jesus in the message. Their faith was just lived out in such a way where you just had so much to pull from. Now, on the flip side... That also means that there are some funeral messages that are hard to write because there's so little of Jesus in their lives. And trust me, you don't want to be that person as Mr. Gray just talked about some. But the wonderful thing is, when you come to Miss Hannah, not only does her faith in her life really help write this message, I had the problem of having too much material to choose from with her. Because where do you start talking about Miss Hannah and the evidence of faith in her life? I think you can begin to talk about her spunkiness. Right? To know Miss Hannah is to know that she is one of the most graciously spunky ladies you could ever meet. Not long after she joined the church, she had a, a medical procedure that caused her to stay in the hospital for a couple nights. And so when I found out she got home, I went over to the house to visit with her and and usually, when somebody her age, I want to put down quotation marks, I don't want to offend anybody with the age talk, but when you're around her age, you expect that person to still be drowsy, a little out of it, maybe even a little grumpy. So I get to the house, knock on the door, and I forget who lets me in, but I come in and come into the den, and there's Miss Hannah sitting in her chair, and she looks at me, and she goes, well, hey there, cutie, you come to visit me? <laughs> I said, well, this is going to be a much better visit than what I thought it was going to be. But that's spunky, isn't it? That's Miss Hannah. She's spunky. Even as Mr. Gray says, so spunky that if she's preparing to meet Jesus, she's still going to correct Grady's grammar there in the hospital room. But to know Miss Hannah is to know that she is spunky. To know her is to know that she loved history. This has been mentioned by several of you as well. She loves the history of White Oak, of Winsboro, of Fairfield County. 
She's known to be a walk-in encyclopedia of all things Fairfield. Did you know that Furman College was originally founded here? Ms. Hannah will tell you all about it and take you out to where it was founded. You want to know about the Patrick family coming to White Oak and taking over that area still to this day? Ms. Hannah can tell you all about that. You want to know anything about anything related to, Ms. Or to, to Fairfield County, then you could ask Ms. Hannah. She loves history. But to know her, to know she also loves her church and her denomination. And I almost, I don't want to say I hesitate to say this, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but I have never seen somebody happier to join my church <laughs> than when Ms. Hannah was able to come back to the ARP denomination. She set the bar so high for everybody else. I just wish everybody else had just half the happiness she did in becoming a member of the Bethel ARP Church. I see Erwin standing in the back. He may remember that session meeting where she came in. With We're going to ask her to set, about, go over the seven membership questions, but she comes in with books and folders to, to tell us about the founding of the ARP Church and Ebenezer Erskine and Ralph Erskine and Bon Clark and, and Erskine. And by the end, we get, well, I'm, are we going to ask her the questions or not? She knows everything else. She loves her church and denomination. She loves Erskine. She loves Bon Clark. She would jokingly say that she thought it was required for a person to go to Bon Clark in order to get into heaven and she fulfilled that. The way she loved her church was so special. When she was able to join us for our Wednesday night prayer meeting, she would often pray, and she would often begin her prayers by thanking God for bringing her to Bethel. And then she would talk about how much she loved her pastor. So I love to hear her pray. It always made me feel good. She also loves her family. It is rare to find somebody so head over heels and love their spouse as Miss Hannah was with Mr. Phil. She would talk about him, and she would say, I love him and miss him. Not ready to necessarily see him just yet, but she loves him and misses him. And my wife reminded me this week that on our last church family retreat to Bon Clark, and she took a picture of Mr. Phil with her. Can y'all imagine that joyful reunion those two have, or had? She loves Mr. Phil. She loves her children. Whenever she would talk about y'all, love and pride exuded off of her. It was evident from the first twinkling of her eye and the first word about each of you, how much she loves you. And that was especially true for the grandchildren. And she knew what each of y'all were doing. She prayed for you. She, in a very gracious way, bragged about you. And she was the epitome of a good and proud grandmother. And it seemed like every week there she would come to church and tell us about another, another new great-grandchild who was born. And I lost count. Thank you for putting an obituary. There's 12 great-grandchildren. But she never lost count. She knew them all. She loves them all. She prayed for them all. And she loves her family. And we could go on and on, couldn't we? But the most defining mark of Miss Hannah that she loves Jesus because she knew Jesus first loved her. If you want to take everything that makes Miss Hannah Miss Hannah, it is that. She loved Jesus because she knew how much Jesus loves her. That's why she was spunky, because spunky is not far from sassy, isn't it? She never got the sassy because of Jesus. 
that fun and loving personality, that twinkle in the eye that came from knowing that she was so loved by her Lord, Lord, by her Lord and Savior. And she knew and loved history because she could see the loving, sovereign hand of God at work in the history that she loved so much. She loved her churches and she loved her denomination because she knew that the church is the bride of Christ. And she knew that Jesus loved his bride so much, he loved her literally to death. That he gave up his life for his church, for his bride, because he loves her so. And how could she love her family so well? Because she knew that outside of her faith, they were the greatest blessing she had from her loving God. The woman we have come to remember this afternoon is a woman whose life is a testimony of someone who loved Jesus because he first loved her. If you don't know that about Miss Hannah, then you don't know Miss Hannah. Because that is the most defining mark of her. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus says to his disciples, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By the faith that was entrusted to her, Miss Hannah lived this out, didn't she? This is a testimony. Y'all are a testimony. She loved others well because Jesus loved her first and Jesus loved her best. And in that love, she knew the truth that Mr. Gray has already shared with us, a truth that everyone needs to know. Everyone is a sinner. Everyone has sinned against God, and therefore our sins deserve his judgment. But, in the Bible, in some of the, in some of the New Testament books, it's called the blessed but, because Paul is sharing his truth, and he says but, and that's what we do here. But the Father so loves his people that he gave his only begotten Son. And the Son so loved his people that he gave up his life. He willingly came to save us. And the Spirit so loves his people that he has come to testify to us the truth of salvation that can only be had in the loving Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, Miss Hannah knew she was loved. She knew that she was so loved that even before time began, the triune God made a covenant to save his people from their sins. Or to make it more personal, Miss Hannah knew that before the beginning of time, the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit made a covenant to save her from her sins. She knew she needed a Savior because she knew she wasn't perfect. But she knew that Jesus was her perfect Savior. Her life is a testimony of a forgiven sinner who loved Jesus because he loved her first and he loved her best. So can you imagine what an entrance into heaven it was for Miss Hannah this past Tuesday afternoon? Surrounded by her family, singing, praying, laughing, and she takes her last breath. The next thing she knows, she sees her loving Lord and Savior to welcome her in. To see the face, to see face to face the love of God. And then to see Mr. Phil, her parents, her siblings, and her friends. Can you imagine what a moment it must have been? Now imagine it was just a few moments after she made it into heaven and she asked Jesus where the Bon Clarkin section of heaven was. <laughs> because every true ARP knows there's a Bon Clarkin section to heaven. 
every Christian goes into heaven joyfully. I think with Miss Hannah there, it may be a little bit more pep in her step this past Tuesday. She is right now where she wants to be, in the love of her Savior, holding hands with the love of her earthly life. To think about Miss Hannah, to remember her, to know her, is to know someone who loved Jesus because Jesus first loved her. Someone remarked on Facebook this week, when I grow up, I want to be like Miss Hannah. May we all want to be like Miss Hannah and that we love Jesus well because we know he loved us best and he loved us the most so we can leave behind a life like she did, a life well lived in Christ because of the love of her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Join me as we pray. Father, we thank you now for this time in your word. And we thank you, Father, for it is time to be together. We pray for your blessings with this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time, I'd like to invite Reverend Paul Patrick to have a better prayer than what I just did, because I remember you were supposed to be praying that in me, so I was trying to cut it short. But thank you for coming to pray. It may seem odd to have a prayer of thanksgiving in a funeral service. Funerals are sad. Christian funerals are beautiful. And today you have seen and heard and sung of beautiful truths that should go with you and remind you, whether you're a sister or a child or a grandchild or a family member or a friend of any kind, we have much to give thanks for. Let's pray. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, faithful ones, holy ones. Lord, we are thankful and we rejoice together for the legacy of faithfulness that you gave Hannah Patrick Phillips, for who you made her to be and her household. And so, Lord, we give you thanks that we can celebrate with great joy in a setting like this and even sing over your goodness to her. And more than that, Lord, we are thankful for the truth of the gospel that we know, as she does, that our Redeemer lives. And the comfort and peace that is found in him can be true for every one of us, as we've heard even as it's true for her right now. And so, Lord, we also pray with thanksgiving for the promise that you make to those who trust in you, that you could be near to this family, every single one of them, reminding them and reminding all of us as we remember Hannah in the days and weeks and months and years to come, as we remember her, that we would be quick to speak of you and your work in her life and how she was buried and buried in faith with the promise of rising again. Lord, this makes us truly thankful. We do not grieve as those without hope, but we have more hope than this world has ever known. And we give you thanks and praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen.
We will conclude with the hymn of hope. You will find that insert in your bulletin. It is Psalm 146. The lyrics are in there, and we will sing it to the tune of Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. We will stand together. Church Cemetery with the graveside.